Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. I want to welcome everybody watching online as well. So we're in this series called Imagine Heaven. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at recent medical, scientific, and especially corresponding biblical evidence with regards to people who've had near-death experiences or NDEs. Now, just so you know, these are individuals who have been pronounced clinically dead. So we're talking no brain activity, no brain waves, heartbeat has stopped, some for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes or more but then they've been resuscitated by the medical technology that we have today. And they're coming back and they're talking about an experience that they had, that they were alive in another dimension and they saw and heard things that sound remarkably identical to what's recorded in this book right here. And so if you're a Christian, I believe that this study will help to bring heaven down to earth for you. It'll give you some new insights into passages in the Bible regarding heaven and God and eternity. And also, I hope it'll give you extra motivation to live for Christ today. You know, I personally believe that God is giving these testimonies to people today to give hope at a time that more than ever before, I think people need hope. And so my encouragement to you today, wherever you're at, if you're a believer or an unbeliever, it's to keep an open mind. But I would also say it's wise to be a little discerning, a little questioning as you listen to every one of these video testimonies that we're going to see today because it's just one person's experience, right? It's actually their interpretation of what they saw and heard. And people are fallible, but this book right here is infallible, amen? And so we're gonna keep coming back to what God says here. This is the plumb line of truth. But I do believe that God wants us to know that he's preparing a place for us. And it's outstanding. It's more beautiful than we can ever imagine. And it's actually gonna be a place that we experience in new times and new dimensions, an entirely different experience for us. And, and just so you know, this particular study, this series is actually a revised, updated version of a series I did years ago called What's After Life. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna cover a few topics related to near-death experiences. And we're not gonna do it as in-depth as I did a few years ago, okay? I'm gonna give you a taste of each of these. And then if you want to dive deeper, you can go online and check out the videos that were recorded a few years back during COVID, okay? Which explains why there's no audience in the room, all right? Just, yeah, in case you think, wow, did anybody show up for that series? No, it was very lonely, okay? I was here all by myself. That's where you say, aw. Okay, good, I needed that. It's been like three years I've been waiting for that, so. Okay. Let's dive in. The first topic relates to the fact that people who've had these near-death experiences or NDEs, they say they experience a God of light and love, which, by the way, is in perfect alignment with the Bible. So check this out. This light was shining over my shoulders. I began to see a small, bright, brilliant glow that got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's the brightest thing you can imagine, but I could look at it. And I never, ever wanted to leave. 64.6% of near-death experiencers describe an unearthly, beautiful, mystical light. 
they feel overwhelming love. It's sort of like a million times a million of any love they ever felt on Earth. They did see the magnificence of just the light shining forth in everything, bringing life to everything. And the light was not just something you would see. This was really a light born out of love. Yo sé que esa, esa vez que yo, esa luz que yo vi era la luz de Dios. Past 30 to 50 years, okay, there have been tens of thousands of cases of clinical death across the globe where people have then been resuscitated by modern medical technology. And they are coming back, and what they're doing is they're describing this God of light and love. A God who loves them with an unconditional love and actually knows them better than anybody. But you know what? This is nothing new. Okay, this is not unique to near-death experiences reported in the last 30 to 50 years. The God of the Bible has been revealing himself as a God of light and love for over 4,000 years. For example, in the book of John, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Okay, in the book of Revelation, John says this about Jesus. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. And here it is. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. So we see that the God of the Bible is a God who is light. And God is also a God of unfailing, unconditional, perfect love. It's who he's been revealing himself to be all along in the Bible. As a matter of fact, you can go back all the way back to Moses' day, 3,500 years ago. We read this about God. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not leave, or do not excuse, rather, the guilty. And of course, John 3, 16, right? The most passage, passage, read passage in the Bible for sure. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So it's not surprising when people who have had these near-death experiences come back describing a God of light and love. For example, Dean Braxton had kidney stones that turned sepsis. His heart stopped beating. He actually was clinically dead. He died for an hour and 45 minutes. And he has medical proof of that. And yet he came back to speak of the incredible joy of experiencing God's unfailing love. Watch this. I came in on grass. There was flowers around. Um, there were animals around. It's almost like I was gliding, like uh, on a people mover that you have in the airport or something like that, you know? And I, I remember uh, going up to the trees, and then the trees just started opening up for me. And there was a pathway that was laid before me, and I just went on that pathway. And as I went through the forest, it seemed like everything in the forest was saying to me, he's going to see the king, he's going to see the king. And when I got on the other side of the forest, that's when I saw Jesus Christ. He was real bright, you know, um, you know, brighter than any light I've ever seen, even the sun. 
And probably what amazed me is I could look at him because I was used to, if I looked, tried to look at the sun or some bright light, my eyes couldn't handle it. But I could see right to him and he was glowing. And when I went up to him, I, I, didn't, I just didn't look at him in the face. I bowed before him and I looked at his feet. And he was standing in a field and, and before him, I don't know if it was thousands or millions or billions of, of what I call beings. They were uh, creations of God. Um, they were some were angels and some were uh, people that had been on this planet Earth. And I looked at his feet and when I looked at his feet, you know, all I could think of, you know, you did this for me. I was so grateful, so happy, you know, so joyful that he would do what he did so I could be there. And after I said, you did this for me, the next words that came out of my mouth were, thank you, 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 thank you. And then the next thing I realized is I was looking at his feet and his feet were a bronze kind of color, almost like a metal color, but there was more than that. It was more beautiful than you can imagine. And I remember thinking to myself, his feet loved me. And it was like I was, literally receiving the fullness of the love of God through the feet of Jesus. And at that moment, I didn't want to look at anything else. I did look at the rest of him, but at that moment, I just wanted to receive that love that was coming through his feet. And I remember then started looking up and every portion of him was loving me. His entire being loved me. And what got me was he only loved me. I knew he loved others, but it seemed like he only loved me. He kind of just um, said things to me telepathically and all kinds of stuff, more than I, I could even express. One of the things I really uh, um, probably came across really is how much he really loves people on this planet, which has put a drive in me to do what I'm doing right now. And the other thing that took place is for some reason I was there when we were all called to come around the throne of God where the Father was and give him praise. Even though they were separate, they were one. And it's hard to describe that um, to anybody is because it's like we're so used to, especially in, in the ministry, you know, we're looking at the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we say there's, they're one God, but in three different personalities. No, they're one period, you know. And even though I looked at Jesus and I looked at the Father over here, they were still one, you know. It was not no separation at all to me. You know, and so that even changed how I look at things. And that was a great experience to go through that, to see everything in heaven come around that throne and literally lift our voices in love to him to tell him how much we love him and how he received each and every song as though I was the only one or the next person next to me was the only one singing to him. You know, it wasn't like he looked at it as a collective group coming together and singing to him. He looked at it as you coming to sing to me. And that was a great experience. That's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> you know, what? a couple of things stood out to me in that. The, the thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. How many of you have ever experienced that when you're worshiping, just in a worship service and you're thinking about all that God has done for you? One day when we get there, I don't know, we, we may repeat it for hours and hours on end. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. The other thing that stood out to me, if, if anybody in here, if you've ever struggled to explain the Trinity, okay, he was even struggling, right? And he witnessed that. You know, the Father's here and the Son's here, and, and they're distinct, and yet they're one. 
Now, if you want to dive deeper, if you want to explore this topic of God being a God of light and love, NDE testimonies, more biblical evidence, I would encourage you to check out message number three in our past series, What's After Life? And just so you know, the QR codes are on the back of your bulletin there. You can thank Matt Sally, our AV guy. He did those for you. And we all know how to do those, right? We learned in COVID how to do that. Right? You take your phone out, you take a picture, and, and half the time it works. So, okay. <laughs> The other half of the time, go to hillcountry.life, all right? Okay, a second thing that is common to many NDEs, near-death experiences, is what you might call a life review. Now, what's a life review? Well, let's talk about this. Uh, the first question you got to ask and answer is, is this the judgment that the Bible speaks of? And the short answer is no. But you know, the Bible actually talks about two judgments, one for unbelievers and one for believers, now, the one for unbelievers doesn't come till the end of human history. It's called the great white throne judgment. And in Revelation chapter 20, it says this, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So there we have the judgment for unbelievers. Now, the judgment for Christians, for believers, it's called the Bema Seat Judgment. It's actually described over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where writing to Christians, Paul compares the works that we do in building our lives here on earth with various materials used in construction. And he says this, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flame. So you can see that all the people here, all the builders, as Paul calls them, will be saved. But only the good works we do will be rewarded. So those are the two judgments described in the Bible, and they happen at a particular point in time, later on in human history. But this life review that these people experience, who've had these near-death experiences, it happens at that very moment. So this is not the same thing as the judgment day. But what it seems to be is a preview of that day. And, and I believe it's, it's actually a gift that God is giving these individuals and a reminder to us as well to live our lives for what God says matters the most, for what will last for eternity, not the temporal stuff of earth. And I want you to check out the video testimonies here. My life flashes in front of me as big as the sky. And it was right then and there, God and I began to look at my life. One of the most life-changing aspects of this experience for many people is what they call their life review. They watch their life replayed in this panoramic vision of every scene, and they see the ripple effect of their little acts of kindness or the things that weren't so kind. They come back knowing that how we treat each other, how we love each other, that's what matters most. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad, and Jesus was showing me this and saying, look at how that event 
impacted this person, that impacted that person, that impacted that person. 22.2% of near-death experiencers have a fascinating phenomenon known as life review. At this time, they may see a part or even all of their prior life. It's often described as flashing before them like on a screen. I saw an image that flashed into my mind, and I was 11 years old, and I was kneeling at a uh, church summer camp. Man, I was sincere. I was reliving every moment. It was almost as we were watching the film of my life. You know, something that stood out to me in that testimony is him saying it was at a summer camp when he was a kid that he knelt and gave his life to Jesus, put his faith in Jesus Christ. And what's getting ready to happen this week, folks, we're literally going to see maybe five or 600 kids that our teens are going to minister to. And I have to wonder how many of those children will come to faith this week. And so let me encourage you, pray. Pray, pray, pray that God does an incredible work this week and, and we get a chance to celebrate that next Sunday. In fact, if you have time, come out tonight. I believe it's 7 o'clock. Is that right? 7 o'clock, we'll be worshiping and praying for this week. All right, pretty fascinating. If you want to dive deeper into this subject, I would encourage you, go online. It's uh, message four in our What's After Life series. Again, the link is on your bulletin. Okay, so our next topic is, is much more sobering. Okay, it's the simple fact that not all of these near-death experiences are positive, okay? Because you would expect that some individuals, they're, they're not going to heaven, they're going to hell. They're headed the other way. And I believe it's by the grace of God that they were just given a glimpse and didn't enter fully into that afterlife, that they were resuscitated. And Dr. Howard Storm is one of these individuals. Okay, he was a tenured college professor. He had uh, a near-death experience. He clinically died and was resuscitated. And at first, it was all good. It was a lot like the experiences we've talked about over the last few weeks. He felt wonderful. He felt, he said, like Superman, heightened senses, the whole bit. He even had a seemingly nice welcoming committee. Okay, they were dressed like the hospital staff said, hey, come with us. We're going to help you. Just, just come along with us. And if his experience had ended right there, and that's all we had, we'd be tempted to say, well, okay, it's all good. Everybody goes to heaven. And sadly, early on when these were being reported in the very early 1980s, there were just a few of them, and that's what the researchers were saying. In fact, Dr. Moody, he's the individual who coined this phrase, near-death experience, he prematurely wrote this. He said, no one's described the cartoonist heaven of pearly gates and golden streets, nor a hell of flames and demons with pitchforks. So in most cases, the reward punishment model of the afterlife is abandoned and disavowed. And folks, that's why initially so many Christians just wrote this off or put this in the category of satanic deception because of what these researchers were saying. But unfortunately, Christians weren't really looking into this. Uh, people weren't really studying this. There weren't a lot of cases early on like there are today. And so individuals, they weren't exploring, they weren't researching. But we've been talking about this guy, John Burke, author of the book, Imagine Heaven. And he actually, his journey came through near-death experiences, his journey towards Christ. And so he spent 30 years researching this, studying this, diving deep into this topic. And one of the individuals he studied was Dr. Maurice Rawlings. And just so you know, he was a cardiologist. This is back in the early 1990s. Uh, Maurice Rawlings, he didn't believe in God, didn't believe in the afterlife, none of that. But he had a patient who suffered a heart attack in his office while he was putting a pacemaker in. And I want you to listen to what Dr. Rawlings wrote here. 
He said, the patient began coming too, but whenever I would reach for instruments and stop compression, he would lose consciousness, stop breathing, and die once more. Each time he regained heartbeat, he screamed, I'm in hell. He was terrified and pleaded with me to help him. Dr. Rawlings says, I, I was scared to death, as you can imagine. In fact, this episode literally scared the hell out of me, he said. After several resuscitations, the man pleaded, don't you understand? I'm in hell. Each time you quit, I go back to hell. Don't let me go back to hell. And Dr. Rawlings said, I told him to keep his hell to himself until I can get his pacemaker in. <laughs> True quote. I love how honest he is about this. But the man was serious. Pray for me, he begged. Pray for me. I told him, I'm a doctor, not a preacher. But the man kept insisting, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And so Dr. Rawlings, he said, I didn't believe any of it. But what I did is I just reached back to whatever little church stuff I knew. And, and I had this guy repeat a prayer, a simple prayer. This is what he had him repeat. Lord Jesus, I ask you to keep me out of hell. Forgive me for my sins. I turn my life over to you. Well, after he prayed that prayer, that guy repeated that prayer. He flatlined again, but this time it was different. He was calm. So finally, his condition stabilized. And as you can imagine, that whole experience really shook Dr. Rawlings. He said for the first time, he went out, he got a Bible, he started reading it. And when he met with this patient several days later, he asked the guy, he said, hey, tell me about those hellish events you experienced. And the guy says, what are you talking about? Like he couldn't recall any of the hellish events, only the heavenly ones that happened after he flatlined the last time, after he prayed to Jesus with that doctor. Well, that rocked Dr. Rawlings' world. So he decided, I'm going to research this. He eventually wrote a book called Beyond Death's Door in 1993. And in this book, Dr. Rawlings theorized that many people have hellish NDEs, but they subconsciously suppress the memories because they're just so traumatic. Okay? But in spite of that, in spite of those repressed memories, studies have shown that 23%, 23% of reported near-death experiences describe hellish events. Dr. Penny Sartori, a British researcher, says this, these negative NDEs are just as real as the pleasant ones and can occur in the absence of anesthetics. Dutch cardiologist Dr. Pin Van Lommel says this about them. He said, to their horror, they sometimes find themselves pulled even deeper into this profound darkness. Says the NDE ends in this scary atmosphere. Such a terrifying NDE usually produces long-lasting emotional trauma. The exact number of people who experience such a frightening NDE is unknown because they often keep quiet out of shame and guilt. Okay, let's be honest. That, that's disturbing. I mean, it disturbs me. I'm sure it disturbs you as well. And I can totally see why so many people wouldn't want to talk about this. In fact, honestly, I didn't want to have to bring that up in this message today. But what I realized is it would be the most selfish, unloving thing to avoid this, to not talk about it if it's real and if it's true. So if you want to study this topic more in depth, I would encourage you watch the video testimony. Okay, it's online. We've got it there of Dr. Howard Storm. He's the guy I talked about earlier because the experience didn't end there for him. It went into a much darker place. And I'll just tell you, it's pretty intense, but I don't think we can just bury our head and not look at these truths. Okay, so I don't want to end on a sour note, all right? Let me close with a positive element that's a part of many near-death experiences. 
And it's the simple fact of experiencing relationships in heaven. Now, Jesus told us in the Bible that heaven is relational, that we're going to know each other in heaven, that we're going to love each other in heaven, that it's like one big loving family of God. And NDEers are echoing the same thing. In fact, many of them talk about a welcoming committee when they get there. Friends, relatives, loved ones who had invested in their lives, and they're there to welcome them, but they say also to protect them and guide them on their journey forward. And guess what? Jesus also talks about this in Luke 16, 9. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth. Use all the stuff you have here on earth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, here it is, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Isn't that crazy? Like Jesus meant that verse literally. I want you to watch how these people describe this reunion by their welcoming committee. My family appeared. One of them put their hand out, and I knew it was my grandmother. And when I looked up, there's my family. Everybody that had been related to me, a part of my family, came to greet me in. My grandmother Mary was out front. She was bright, you know, she had a big smile and pure joy. I was immediately greeted by a group of people, spirits, beings. They were absolutely exploding with a pure love. And I could be with them and I knew without any doubt that I had known them and loved them as long as I've existed. 57.3% of those having near-death experience describe meeting other beings. When a deceased loved one is encountered during a near-death experience, they may be around the age they died, or interestingly, they may appear decades younger. I'm surrounded by people that I have known and loved in life, and they were all perfect in every way, fully recognizable as themselves. Pero me fijé, cuando miré para derechito, miré a mi mamá. I'm looking at this man who I recognize by my heart, but I knew that that was Paul. He's my great-grandfather. Now, Paul was standing next to Ma. I knew her as an old woman when I was a kid. When she was in heaven, she looked to be in her 30s. This was my family. Interesting. Okay, how many of you guys would like to look like you did back in your 30s? Let me see a show of hands. All right. Interesting. At a certain campus that shall remain unnamed, in a certain community across town, everybody raised their hands. Just, just saying. People, the relationships that we have, that we form, that we build into with Christians here on earth, they will last for eternity. Folks, that's why we should invest our lives, invest our time in people and not in stuff. If you want to dive deeper into this particular subject, uh, check out message number five in the What's After Life series. It's actually called Relationships Last Forever. Okay, so we're going to pick up this study in two weeks. We've got something special planned for you next Sunday. But when we come back, our final two messages, they're going to be powerful and intriguing. Why? Well, because we're going to talk about what these people who have had near-death experiences say with regards to the atmosphere of heaven. Okay, what is heaven like? What does it look like? And more specifically, what will we be doing for all eternity? So you don't want to miss that. Let's pray. Lord, it's, it's fascinating. It's an incredible study. And I believe that the fact that these things are happening 
all across the globe. Tens of thousands of people are coming back. It's, it's one more way that you are reaching out in love. But God, what's really compelling to me is the fact that you've already spelled all of this out in your word. And all these things do, personally for me, is they, they enlighten what you've already said, the truth, that you are a God of light. Your face will shine like the brilliance of the sun. You are a God of love, unconditional, unfailing love. And God, we know your word has already said that our lives will be reviewed, and we don't have to wait for that judgment day. We can review our lives here and make course corrections along the way to live for you. And God, as we would expect, uh, not all these experiences, 23% of them reported and may, probably many, many more are not positive. And God, that should compel us to go and share the love of Jesus with people who don't know. And then finally, God, there's, there's nothing new about the relational aspect of heaven. And you've told us all along that the greatest of all commandments is to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor, love the people around us as ourselves. So God, help us while we're here to invest in the only thing that will last, and that's the souls of the men and women that we encounter. So Lord, thank you for the ways in which these truths and these testimonies encourage us to live out your word. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would do that today, this week, and for the rest of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and maybe you've got a question about, well, I don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know how to enter into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to have some people up front. They would be happy to share with you and pray with you as well. Maybe you've got a prayer concern, something that's a burden that you'd like to share. They'd be happy to pray with you. Otherwise, hope to see you tonight for the night of prayer and worship, and you guys have a great week.